0: Hello and welcome to the Shackcast with me Woody. This is episode 6 for October 28. It's the podcast where we talk about everything that's going on behind the scenes at Woody Piano Shack. I'll tell you all about the news, what's been going on during the last month, and the featured topic for today is requested by Joey J and it's all about how the YouTube monetization and AdSense works. Let's get the show started. Let's start with the news for the month then. I'll explain everything that's been going on during September and there has been a lot of stuff. It's been one of the busiest months I've had on this channel, which is great news. Things are really picking up. So the first thing then, believe it or not, a month ago we did the Remix Contest announcement and I think I played some of the winning tracks for you on the last podcast last month. But the winners were Scryonic, Ezequiel Rodriguez, Uh, They were voted by the panel of judges, and then we had Rooftop Struggle, who we picked to win on the live stream. He was a random winner. The first two guys got a prize of UVI Synth Anthology 2, and Ezequiel already produced a track using that, which I shared with you on the weekly WAV. So I hope you've heard that by now. I thought it was really good. And Rooftop Struggle got a year's subscription to Sonic Academy, which is a training platform. They have lots of online courses. Now, that was a lot of fun to do that. I'm glad it's over now and we can move on because as the administrator, it was quite a lot of work. But the one of the highlights anyway was, of course, listening to all your entries and getting so many messages from people that had been inspired to create tracks and some people who hadn't created tracks at all before. And this was the first time they were producing and sharing stuff. So that was really nice. The other thing I enjoyed was collaborating 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 with our panel of celebrity judges. Let's see if I can remember them all now. We had Bo Beats, who's got a very nice YouTube channel. You guys should uh, check him out and subscribe. Then there was our very own moderator over on Discord. We all know and love him, that's uh, Xavier Radix. Then we had Alex Ball, who's uh, one of the most incredible producers and musicians that I follow on YouTube. Gaz Williams, of course, and Espen Craft. And it was really nice to work with them and uh, feature them on my channel. It was a uh, quite an honour actually. And guys like uh, Gaz William, Gaz Williams were retweeting that they were on my channel sharing the video for example and that was picked up by Sonic State as well. So they were also retweeting our announcement video there which was quite a Exciting moment for me. Sonic State is one of the channels that did inspire me and Gaz Williams, for that matter, to start my own YouTube channel. So it was lovely to be picked up by them and to be acknowledged and be on their radar. So that was a huge moment for me personally and for the channel, I think. I'd also like to say congratulations to some of the patrons that submitted, well, to all of the patrons that submitted their tracks, of course. You all did a great job, but a couple of you in particular got uh, highlighted. And mentioned by our judges, the the two that do come to the mind are Panther, who's no longer a patron, sadly, we're still we're still good friends. you You guys can come and go as patrons whenever you like. There'll be no hard feelings. But Panther, who was a patron at the time, uh, did an excellent entry, and so did N Kai. Nicholas also submitted an entry which got recognised by the judges, so well done there. And we're not quite done with the Megamix yet, I have some plans. You remember when I announced the contest, I did say that I would feature all of your entries on my channel. Well, with 42 entries, that became a bit of a struggle to, of course, feature them all in their entirety. So the thing I was thinking of doing was doing a Megamix, some kind of mixtape tape where we can play a little clip of each track. But even that was quite a massive job. So what I did is I posted a comment over on YouTube and asked if any viewer would like to help me do that collaboration. Actually, one of our he's now a patron, which is fantastic. He goes by the name of Fernando. Welcome to the community, and especially thanks for volunteering to mix these tracks together. It must have been quite a massive job, I think, which is one of the reasons I was a little bit reluctant to take it on right now since I'm quite busy. But he found some time to do this for us, and he's done a wonderful job. And I'm going to put a little video together featuring his his megamix, which I'll get out to you in the coming weeks. So thanks ever so much, Fernando, for doing that for me and for our community. I was feeling a bit bad for not featuring all of the entries on my channel, but now we are going to be able to do that thanks to your help. You cannot have missed that the Mo DX has arrived in the shack yes and there's a bit of a story about how that came to be that I can share with you if you like so I've been thinking about upgrading my go piano I'll still be using that one for many of my videos but for myself and for my own enjoyment and inspiration I'd like to have something a little bit nicer with more keys and weighted keys and a more quality feel and Yamaha released recently a p121 it's part of their p series pianos and i had a p120 before which i've actually demonstrated on the channel but they've just launched the p121 which has a much better sound engine than my rather old p120 but more importantly to me it's got 73 or is it 76 keys i don't remember but it's about one and a half to two octaves shorter than an 88 note piano so it does actually fit into my small little studio splash slash spare room. So, yeah, I've been thinking about buying one of those, but I thought, well, why don't I send a mail to Yamaha and see if they'd like to give me a discount? That's the usual way I try and approach this. So it's difficult to find the email address for the artist relations people at these huge corporations, but I did Google a little bit and found some email addresses and some Facebook pages and sent off a message introducing myself and asking if they would give me a discount on a Then after a little while, I got an answer back from some guy who I think was in Germany. So he works for Yamaha Synths in Europe. And he said he was positive. He said, Yeah, sure, we we can we can help you with that. He didn't go into any details. But what he said was, we've got actually something coming out next week that we think you might be interested in. Would you like to come to New York City and be part of the launch event? He sent that yeah, this was just via email. So I didn't know what it was they were launching at this time and I thought about it for a little bit and didn't really fancy the idea of going off to New York City the next week and abandoning my family and uh, taking time off work at the last moment. It didn't really feel doable. So I turned down the offer of going to New York, but I said, I would be interested in whatever keyboard you have. Can you tell me a bit about it? So they sent me these non-disclosure agreement documents, which I signed, and then they sent me over the brochures for the X. And I was like, wow, <laughs> yeah, this is right at my street. So I uh, got back to them immediately and said, yeah, please, if, if you want to send me one, then I'll feature it on the channel. Thanks ever so much. And that showed up about a week after we had that email. And also this was under... The non-disclosure agreement, I wasn't allowed to talk about it at the time, and there was a very strict press embargo, which I said would be lifted at 7pm on Friday night, which is when I released my unboxing video. I think I got the keyboard on Wednesday evening. That's when it showed up at the door. So, yeah, late Thursday afternoon and Friday afternoon I was finishing off that video so that I could upload it in time for the launch, which is what Yamaha wanted us to do, I think. So it's quite funny, at 7 o'clock on Friday evening when they did the official launch event in New York City that's when all the YouTubers that had got them were allowed to release their videos. So there were about 15, 20 videos that went live exactly then. Not just uh, guys like me, but also the shops and the retailers were releasing their ModiX videos. But the funny thing is everybody knew about it anyway because all the information was leaked about a week before so I wasn't allowed to talk about it because I was under the NDA but everybody else was discussing them quite freely on the forums except for me. We did a lot of ModiX content then during September you've seen most of them and they are getting lots of views. I think the uh, unboxing is way up there now with like 60,000 views which after couple of weeks is it's really good very good and tons of engagement and a lot of positive feedback so thank you everybody who watched that extremely long very un, well yeah it's a bit of a slow burner a very uh, slow video that one but we eventually made it through to the end and we played it a little bit also i started streaming again both on youtube and twitch just playing some of the presets. And uh, those of you that join me on those live streams, thanks very much. I do like the synthesizer a lot. I think it sounds amazing. It's got quite a unique sound that I haven't heard before with this FMX synthesis engine. It's been around on the montage for a while, but I've never played a montage. So for me, these sounds are very fresh and I've never heard the like of them before. On the minor side, not a huge fan of the touchscreen UI. I don't think Yamaha's is worse than anybody else's, but generally I stay well clear of synthesizers with touchscreen interfaces because I hate operating screens on glass. That's one thing. I don't like just pressing on a sheet of glass, or in this case, soft plastic. I uh, much prefer buttons. That's why I like the range of Nord keyboards so much, where you've got a knob and a button for pretty much every function don't like peering down at screens I do that most of the day and when I play my keyboards and synths that's the time when I really don't want to be peering and prodding at a screen so yeah I'm not a fan of the touchscreen but that's not a criticism of this synthesizer in particular but just my general feeling on that and the other thing is I don't have very good eyesight as well so some of the smaller text I struggle to read so that makes the experience a bit of a bit of a pain as well some guy said after they watched the video of my Modi X that the pitch bend and mod wheels were wonky, slightly offset by a few degrees, and I <laughs> went and checked. I'm looking at it now over here on the side. Sure enough, they are, so that's bothering me now every time I look at them. They may be five degrees skewed to the right, which is very strange because these casings and everything are made by CNC machines or from moulds. So there's no reason why the pitch bend and mod wheel should be wonky, but they are. And uh, other people are wondering what the arrangement I have is with Yamaha. And they haven't really been very specific to me about that. I've asked them if, it's, if they want it back or what they want me to pay for it, uh, but they haven't responded. So I think the arrangement is, it's still theirs, but I can have it as long as I like, but I'm not allowed to cash it in For example, I'm not allowed to sell it and then keep the cash. It's uh, mine as long as I want it, but then when I don't want it anymore, then I'm expected to send it back to Yamaha. I think that's the arrangement if I read between the lines. They also asked me if I wanted to feature any other Yamaha stuff in the future. Gosh, this is a long story. I, I hope this isn't interesting, but I hope it is. This is kind of what goes on behind the scenes of running a A music tech channel. Yeah, they asked me if I wanted anything else and I reminded them about the P121, which I actually would still want more than the Modi X to be honest because I'm kind of into just piano right now, playing piano and improving my piano chops. We'll come to that later. Uh, I said send me a P21, P121 and a stand if you like. Uh, And I said maybe a white one because that's more eye-catching on the videos and they said that they were out of stock until November. But they have something exciting and piano-related that's coming up in January 2019, next year. So they might be involving me in that, but I don't know anything else about it right now other than it's exciting and piano-related. So stay tuned for that. Whew, I did say there was a lot of news. Anyway, when I got the news that the MODX, the MODX, was coming to me, that prompted me to do a big sell my synths again. Yes, I've got a Mo XF, as you know. No, yes, that's what it's called. These model names are very confusing. I have a Mo XF, which is the previous generation of the Mo DX. and it occurred to me that if I'm gonna have a Mo DX here, there's no way I'm gonna use that old one anymore. I had plans to do some videos, but people probably aren't gonna be that interested in watching them, and I'm not gonna to wanna to play the older model. It's just taking up space. It's going to gather dust. So I sold that one. I liked the organ sounds and the electric piano sounds on the Modi X. So that, with some reluctance, pushed me to sell the Nord Electro 4 as well. And uh, yeah, I was not so sure about if I was doing the right thing, but I think I was, especially when the guy came to pick it up. It was a young dude. He was maybe... 25 30 years old he was a great player and he was very enthusiastic and he plays in a band and i thought yeah come on it's better it goes to this guy than it sits in a case in my house not getting played at all so i'm really glad it's gone to a player who's going to appreciate it and i gave him a pretty nice deal on it as well complete with the gig bag and that red stand so that one's gone The launch key has gone. It's one of my many MIDI controllers. That one I sold. I didn't really enjoy using it together with Ableton. Didn't appreciate it very much. That one's gone. There's some other stuff as well that I got rid of. Let me me think. Oh, of course. Yes, the cheap rack stuff. Remember we were going to build up a series of cheap racks, the Woody Rack Shack or something. And to that end, I'd picked up the JV1080 and the motif rack with the flaky rotary encoder wheel that i really needed to fix and didn't want to because i knew i knew it would just be a pain so those two i sold as well so there will be no more woody rack shack i find those things to be a bit unergonomic to use and i mean they're fine instruments really fine instruments for their time and i'm a big fan of them both i still am but I can do it all with this Modi X. I can get the same kind of sounds from that. So it was just too much redundancy. And having too many instruments that aren't getting used stresses me out a little bit. So I offloaded them to a couple of guys that will appreciate them a bit more. I have a couple more news items and then we will break for some music. But the next topic I wanted to mention was that native instruments have been very generous to me and lots of other YouTubers actually by sending out a Machine Micro Mark III, which is a MIDI pad controller that you connect to the PC and then you use it to control their machine beat-making software, I suppose you call it, a pattern sequencer. But I haven't really had time to check it out yet. That one, I think, is released now and available to the public. Then they sent me the complete Control A series ahead of the product release it's not under embargo, and I'm allowed to talk about it, and I released a video unboxing it yesterday, so go watch that if you want to know a little bit more about it. Uh, the video was a bit of a flop at the end. I won't spoil it for you if you haven't watched it yet, but a bit of an anti-climax for me and for the viewers probably. What else is going on? Well, I have been quite busy preparing and planning content for my piano lessons that I want to do in the autumn and I've been trying to find an interesting angle to differentiate my lessons from everybody else's but this is going to be quite tough because it's a congested area of YouTube, a lot of people uh, much better than me (laughs) without doubt, uh, much more skilled than me and probably better educators are are already doing this and filling up this space, but I'm gonna try and elbow my way in somehow by finding an interesting angle that nobody else is covering, and doing it with my own style as well. So I've been thinking a lot about that and making plans for that. And slightly related, it's prompted me to get back into a program that I used to use 15, 20 years ago. Sure many of you are familiar with this. It's called Band in a Box and you can, Punch in chords. It's a program that runs on PC or Mac. You punch in chords into like an arrangement view, and then you choose a style, and the software plays back an accompaniment to those chords and in that particular style. It's a lot of fun and a great tool for practicing. I was wondering if I could perhaps incorporate that into my piano lessons and make backing tracks to make it more fun for people to to rehearse and practice. So yeah, those kind of things I've been exploring and I've got myself a copy of Band in a Box, which I was playing around with today. So you'll be seeing a bit more of that on the channel as well in the future. And I'd love to hear from you if you're a Band in a Box user or have been. And that is it for the news. Now I'm going to play you because you haven't sent me any user tracks this time, any of your own Patreon tracks. So this time I'm going to play you some stuff that I've not even recorded yet i'm going to record some performances on the modi x after i finished recording the audio for this podcast and i'll insert them into the show right here We'll move on to the featured topic for today which is how the youtube monetization and the adsense the advertising works and this was requested by one of my patrons joey and i encourage you to send me a message if you want me to talk about anything in particular otherwise i'll just pick a subject that's interesting to me and i think you'll be interested in but i would much prefer to get suggestions from you what i think joey has in mind is A little bit about how the adsense works how the advertising revenue works that's what most people think about when you talk about monetizing a youtube channel basically what it is is that advertisers who want to market a product or some service they pay google to show advertisements at the start of people's videos or perhaps during people's videos or at the end And then the advertisers will pay Google a sum of money if a viewer clicks on the advertisement or watches 30 seconds, I believe is the the limit there. If the viewer watches 30 seconds of the ad or at least half of it, then Google will invoice the advertiser for that. And then Google take a share of that money. And some of the money, I don't know what the exact revenue split is there, but some of the money that the advertisers pay goes to the content creator as well, goes to me, for example, the YouTube channel owner. And Google don't charge the advertiser for every single individual click. It's normally collected in terms of per thousand impressions or per thousand clicks or per thousand watches, or something like that. And that's how the YouTube content creator gets paid as well. We'll dig into that a little bit later. So the advertisers only are paying for engagement. I think that's the way it works. So if the end user, the viewer, that's watching the content is using an ad blocker, then Google don't get any money from the advertisers and neither does the content creator. And also if the viewer skips the ad, before it completes or before the 30 seconds, then also no money changes hands. And remember also that the, the way that YouTube works, I think when you're watching videos is that they don't, they don't show ads for every single video as well. So if you're watching 10 videos, they might only show ads on half of them. as to, So it doesn't get too annoying for the viewer. And all of this advertising is managed both to pay out the ad revenue to YouTube creators and also the advertisers themselves manage all of their campaigns in this AdSense platform. You might have heard of it. And there's quite a lot that you can configure as a YouTube creator, as a YouTuber. You can configure what kind of ads, not the actual subject of the ads, but you can configure at least how they are presented. On your channel if they are shown as a pre-roll or not that's a little video that shows up before your video starts and you can choose if it should be skippable or not and on my channel i've chosen skippable because i don't want them to be too obtrusive and you can also choose if you want ads to be displayed in the middle of the video and i definitely did not choose that because that is super annoying and you can also control if you can if an advertiser can put banners over the top of your video and i I think I disabled that as well, I hope so. So uh, please, if you do see videos coming in the middle, if you see ads coming in the middle of my videos or annoying banners, then let me know and I'll try and find the setting and disable that. There are also some ads that show up on the right-hand side. If you are if you have a smaller video in the middle of the YouTube page and suggested videos on the right, you can also get ads coming up there as well. And uh, yeah, and I don't get any control over what ads. Google displays on my videos, which is interesting. That's something that's maybe good to understand. I have no idea what advertisements are being displayed on my channel either. And the advertisers can target a specific demographic. They can target males between 25 and 45, for example, or females between 18 and 25, whatever it might be. Or they can target... People that are interested in certain topics or searching for certain keywords. Google knows a lot about their viewers, that's for sure. And they can use that information to help advertisers target a specific type of person that they want to market their product to. Let's talk about the eligibility, the requirements for monetizing your YouTube channel. And YouTube, Google changed this about a year ago and there was a heck of a hoo-ha. They actually raised the bar for who is eligible to create accounts. There was a lot of speculation about why. This is about the time that that Logan Paul guy that's got uh, millions of followers did a video, a vlog where he was in a Japanese suicide forest and he filmed a dead body or something really inappropriate, published the video on his channel and uh, the advertisers that were having their adverts displayed during his video were, uh, of course, outraged about being associated with him. And uh, also there was a lot of smaller channels popping up that were just copying other people's content, I think, just to get ads played and generate some revenue. There's a lot of frauding, spoofing, and hoaxing going on. So anyway, YouTube raised the bar there and there was a lot of outrage from smaller creators about this as well, who were no longer eligible for monetization. Uh, but anyway, I can tell you the rules right now as it stands are 1,000 subscribers. Your channel has to have 1,000 subscribers and over four or oh, more, 1,000 or more, of course, or 4,000 hours at least of watch time, okay? And the watch time analytics, I don't remember in my head, but I can tell you to get to 1000 subs, in my case, uh, let's see, to get to 100, I remember some of these key figures, 100 was six weeks, 500 subs took six months, and 1000 subs took about nine months for me. So it's a little rule of thumb, if you're thinking of starting your own channel in the similar niche as mine, that's how much time it takes. And of course, it's not just time. You've got to publish decent content during the time uh, that people want to watch to build up your watch time and encourage people to subscribe. So, yep, you've got to put in some work to do that. I think I was publishing two videos a week for the first nine months to get to 1,000 subs. So yeah, you've got to put in a lot of hours. It's a marathon, not a sprint for sure. What's my policy on adverts then? Well, I've enabled them now, but from the very beginning, my policy was not to have any advertisements at at all. The reason for that is that I dislike advertisements and I really did not want to make my viewers sit through advertisements to watch my content. And I also felt a little bit that my content wasn't worthy of having advertisements in front of them. Plus, I had heard that the money you got from... The AdSense, the, the money that YouTube paid to content creators was so low. And I didn't want to make my viewers sit through ads just so that I could earn a few bucks. That was my policy. I, 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 can, I don't need that money. I'd rather deliver a better experience to my viewers. That was the thought. But then I got laid off work. We need to do a podcast about that as well, about my situation there, because that's quite interesting in itself. But I got laid off last June and then I decided I should perhaps investigate if I should monetize my channel to see if it could be a possible one at one possible revenue stream some source of income for me if I wasn't going to be working anymore my my aim at that time was to perhaps focus more on music and YouTube and content creation and see if I could scratch together a living doing that so I enabled ads and also I was curious how much you could earn and what the process was and what it was like, because part of being a YouTuber is to monetize your channel. Everybody does it. So I was feeling a little bit left out and the reason I started my channel in the beginning was curiosity. So I was actually missing out on a big part of what what it is to run a YouTube channel. So for curiosity and for some potential income, I decided to monetize the channel. I did that and the process was very long-winded and tedious. The sign-up process for AdSense was very involved. Lots of forms and paperwork you had to fill out. Lots of cross-checks and US tax forms and tax waivers and all sorts of stuff. And then the review process starts. At the time also, because of the Logan Paul stuff, they YouTube were very careful about uh, offering partnerships to YouTubers and there was a big backlog and I think it's actually a manual process There's some guy that clicks through your channel and looks at the looks at your videos and your content to see if it's appropriate and that process took six months so actually after about two years my channel eventually got monetized and I got a little bit of money rolling in. I talked about what you can control and that affects you know what kind of ads you have if you have These non-skippable ads or skippable ads or ads in the middle of your video, that kind of thing, all of those affect your rates, how much money you earned. And I opted for the lowest possible rates there because I, I would hate to annoy my viewers. Now, you're probably wondering, what are my rates? How much money do I earn from YouTube? And you're quite right to wonder and be curious. That's okay, But I'm not actually allowed to tell you part of my terms and conditions that I agreed to when I signed up uh, with AdSense is not to disclose how much money I earn on the platform. And that's why YouTubers don't talk very much about that. But I'm going to go to a website called Social Blade and I'm going to search socialblade.com. I'm going to search up my own channel. I'm doing that right now. There we go. Social Blade is a kind of aggregator of social media platforms and all the different users and they give you rankings and grades and also the reason i'm going here is they give you your wow okay they give you estimated monthly earnings <laughs> okay and for me right now it's between 50 dollars and 805 dollars Well, I would be very happy if it was $805, but I can tell you it's definitely in between that span, and I'll tell you it's way towards the left, much closer to $50 than it is to $805. But I'm not gonna go into any more details because I can get my account terminated for telling you how much income I'm getting, but it's not insignificant, and it's more than I was expecting to get. So that came as a pleasant surprise, but it's certainly not enough to live on, that's for sure. You'd need to have a channel probably 20 times the size of mine to get a decent monthly income that you could actually live off, maybe even more than 20 times mine. And the the other thing, of course, you've got to be careful about is that you have no control over the algorithm. I get paid by YouTube depending on how many people watch the ads or engage with the ads. And I've got no control over how many people watch my videos other than trying to make good videos. But uh, the YouTube algorithm decides which videos that are going to be promoted in suggested videos and that kind of thing, and which videos rank best in the search. And I've got no control over that. And with a flip of a switch, Google can change their algorithm and that could completely screw up the number of views I'm getting and therefore the the income I'm getting from, from advertising. Well, I hope you are finding this interesting. We're going into the nitty gritty here for sure. But the other thing I'd like to emphasize is that I'm not in this for the money. That's not at all the reason I started my channel. That is also a separate topic for a podcast, perhaps. But uh, my advice to you is don't start a YouTube channel with the aim of getting a lot of money from AdSense. Because that's not going to happen. Unless you're super talented or very beautiful or extremely well-connected or already rich and famous, you're going to struggle to get a lot of money through AdSense. And again, as I said, you don't have much control over it either. Do it because you have a passion or a hobby that you want to share with other like-minded people. That's the reason I did it. If you do have your own YouTube channel and you're wondering if you should enable advertisements, then my advice would be, yes, do it. Do it now, as soon as you are eligible. And the reason I say that is because I've had a channel for over two years that didn't have any advertisements and not one single person ever thanked me for it. Okay, I'm not being uh, an arrogant idiot here, I hope. But I think people don't notice. People are so used to seeing ads on YouTube. It's the normal thing, isn't it? It's the normal thing and you get used to skipping them if you can. So nobody thanked me for it, but I don't think anybody even noticed that I didn't have ads, to be honest. And you might have some moral considerations like I did. You didn't want to make your viewers skip through ads, but once I enabled them, nobody complained either. So yeah, when I didn't have ads, nobody thanked me. And when I did put ads on, nobody complained about it either. So why not? I'd say go for it because you do get a reason, you know, a decent amount of money. It's no, no way you're going to cover the amount of hours that you need to put into your channel. It, it's, it, yeah, it's probably, well, it is way below the minimal wage for the amount of hours I put into my channel. But it's nice to get something back. You think of it as a little bonus. It's a little bit of money. And if I save it up over the course of a year, I can buy myself a a new camera, or I can take the family out and do something fun once a month. So yeah, it's worth doing, I think, and I recommend that you monetize your channel. Why Why not? It's a source of money, and with money you can do some fun things, so why turn it down? Most YouTubers have multiple income streams. If you're going to be doing YouTube for a living, then you're probably not going to be surviving on the AdSense income alone unless you have a massive channel, sort of at least 20 times bigger than mine. And the way they do that is there are many ways you can monetize your YouTube channel. Uh, You can, for example, have links in the description that are affiliate links. So that when someone clicks on the link and purchase something from Amazon, for example, if you're demonstrating a video and you have an affiliate link to Amazon where they can buy it, then you get a little commission on that purchase. And in fact, in the case of Amazon, if they buy anything, not just the product you're linking to, if they buy anything, you'll get a few percent back from Amazon. And there's a lot of companies that have affiliate marketing schemes that you can sign up for as a uh, YouTuber or uh, any influencer, really, in any social media. The other thing you can do is have sponsored videos. That's where a company pays you to mention their product at the start or during or at the end. And a lot of companies are doing this now because they've realized that this ad model is slightly broken. People install ad blockers or skip ads. And by embedding them into the content of the video itself, by having the YouTuber that people trust and like uh, mention the product, then uh, they get more engagement that way. And then they'll pay the YouTuber A certain amount of money for every thousand views, I I suppose. I've never done it, so I don't really know. And then you can get paid just to have some product placement on your channel. If uh, you have a swig of Coca-Cola during the video, for example, or show off a flashy telephone, you can get paid for that. Those are for the much bigger channels, though, I think. The big uh, daily vlogs and that kind of thing that are popular. You can sell merchandise You know, hoodies, hats, mugs, that kind of thing. Or, like I do, try and send people over to your Bandcamp page where they can buy music. Or a similar thing, you can send viewers to some premium content. You could have, for example, uh, show half of a tutorial and then send them off to a site where the viewers can pay to watch the complete series or the complete tutorial. That's another way that YouTubers make money. And then, of course, things like this, Patreon and the donations and YouTube Super Chats. People can just send you a little tip during a live stream. And you know about those, so I won't go into details there. And that wraps up my little discussion about monetizing your YouTube channel. I hope that answered Joey's questions and that the rest of you found it Interesting, and I'm not an expert here by any way, but this is my rough understanding about how it works and my personal experience of it. Do let me know if you have any further questions or follow-up questions. and Send me also your requests for the featured topic to do next time. Let's play another track on the Modi X. I've got some deals of the week for you today. The first one, and I don't like to talk about Waves very much because they've snubbed me in the past, but this is such a good deal. I just had to share it with you. You can get this on the Waves site or, or on the Audio Deluxe. They have a gold bundle right now for $99. The Waves gold bundle. I think it includes 40 different very useful plugins and Waves plugins, I have to admit are very high quality and certainly get the job done. The gold bundle includes 40 plugins. Normally you can buy this boxed for six or $700. The normal price on the Waves site is $900, but never ever pay, pay full, price, full price for Waves plugins. Anyway, it's reduced to 99 right now, but there's also a 30% coupon code Uh, Waves 30th anniversary coupon code to get the price down to $55 and $55 for 40 Waves plugins that you can use in all your productions. Just general purpose stuff. You've got compressors, reverbs, limiters, delays, multi-channel compressors, everything you could possibly need. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's a great deal, I think. But uh, be warned, they do charge you when you need to upgrade the plugins as well. So even if you buy these now for 55 bucks in a few years when you perhaps need to upgrade for compatibility with a new operating system, they'll charge you for that. But I don't know the specifics of that. So be warned there. But uh, I think it's a good deal and one I wanted to share with you. The next one is completely free of charge. And I'm going to give you a tip for a YouTube site that I've really been Enjoying a YouTube channel called Skilled Musicians. Skilled Musicians. And the guy there is just doing piano tutorials, but I think the content is so good. He's such a fantastic player with a fabulous touch. I could listen to him play all day long and the level of his tutorials are right at the level that's appropriate for me right now. How to get nicer sounding chord voicings and spice up your chord progressions and interesting Scales to use over chords. It's absolutely perfect for me. And I think some of you might enjoy it as well. So go and have a look at skilled musicians on YouTube. For voicemail, once again, I don't have anything, but I leave this segment in as a little reminder. If you do want to send me some voicemail, I'll play it on the podcast. And this podcast is only going out to patrons, so there's no reason to be shy. Uh, Just record something on your smartphone or in your studio and send me an email and I'll play it here. It can be a question some feedback, a suggestion or just you want to share a review of some gear you've bought or anything like that, I'd love to play it here in the podcast. I think it'd be more interesting than listening to me droning on for an hour. And that does wrap it up. I'm going to play one more track with you on the Modi X to finish off with. I don't know what it will be because I haven't recorded it yet. I'm going to do it as soon as I've pressed the stop button here in Reaper and finished recording the podcast. So yeah, thanks very much for listening. I don't know how many people listen to this podcast. There's no way for me to uh to, to to see that. So I tell you what, this time perhaps I'd love to gauge how many of you actually listen if this is worthwhile doing. So if you listen to it, then please send me an email or please leave a comment over on the Patreon post. Let me know that you listen to it and uh give me some feedback. Tell me what you like about it, what you don't like about it, and some suggestions for some segments that we could perhaps include in the future. I'd love to get your feedback. That's all for now. Have a great week, month, and I'll talk to you again in November. See you then. Cheers, guys. Bye.